Welcome to No Rewind with Larry Betag. The next chapter of your life begins today, and you're playing the hero. Whether you're on track and ready to cross the finish line or need a complete overhaul, you've come to the right place. Join Larry as he walks alongside you in the next chapter of your life. We'll take a deep look under the hood to see how you can take the right steps to go from good to great. Victories aren't easy, but regret can be costly. Welcome to No Rewind. You've only got one shot. Okay, hey, welcome back to No Rewind with Larry Bettag. I can't even tell you how excited I am um, to be a part of the show. Um, again, we're taking good people great people actually who have made decisions for greatness at some point in their life and dealt with whatever situation that they've um, they've been dealt and uh, my brothers and I like to talk about this my family and I is that everybody's dealt uh, a different set of cards and I look at people that are rich a lot of them are starving because they they don't have the experience of same experience as people who who grow up you know grinding stuff out and then you have people that um, are on the other side that um, we'll say have a dysfunctional family that gotta try to figure it out and I know a lot of people that that just never happens I know people that have committed suicide I know people that have had um, stuff tragically end with despair and so with, with, without any further ado I am um, really pleased to welcome Larry Chapel back from uh, part two of his story and in part one of the story, just as a recap, Larry came from a dysfunctional family. He um, became a drug dealer at 15, top of the heap at 27. And at the end of the day, he ends up deciding this, even though he has all the money, all the people, all the money, sex, drugs, rock and roll, every kind of uh, kind of bad boys, um, I don't know, um, desires, he had it all. And at the end of the day, he decides that he wants to um, escape. So he escapes. And he hits the road and finds, while he's on the road, you know, finds this, while he's thinking about ending his life, find, finds a, a, a bridge that he's going to probably drive himself in to kill himself. And he sees this uh, sign that says, Trust Jesus. And he ends up pouring all the contents of all the drugs out in the highway while he's driving. And then keeps driving around and around and around spending his money doing God knows what and he gets arrested and so bringing us up to date he gets um, sent to uh, the federal pen in Madison and moved down to Chicago for holding and that's where we left off and so this is probably the the many ways you know the the, the I guess uh, the entering in the first or second quarter of your turning point so I'd like for you to jump on in and kind of share what you want that anything we missed and tell me where we're going from here this is your story. Yeah, thank you, Larry. Thank you for having me. Um, I remember when they when they put me on that bus to go downtown Chicago. That the um, the people on the bus, you know, as I as I went to get off the bus, they were like, "Oh, you're going to die up there," and you know, it was very violent. And um, I no more than got up there, and they went to put me in a certain cell and a, and an inmate came over and asked the guard if he would put me in his cell and um and that that inmate 
proceeded to, um, he'd been in for murder. He's like, look, let me show you my paperwork. I've been in for murder. I killed before I came in and I killed since I've been in. And, um, you know, then he proceeded to, to, um, seek out sexual favors and, you know, the, it was, it was like, God was telling me, Larry, you're living a different life now. Cause normally I had grown up in boys homes and normally in a situation like that, you know, you would, you would just start beating the guy's head in to let him know that you weren't going to put up with that. But God said, look, I want you to, I want you to, um, handle us my way and let me handle it. And, um, you know, I was up there and they, they would, they would come at me and, and flinch and things like that, trying to intimidate me. And I just felt the perfect peace of God kick in and, and protecting me. So when these guys approach you, what'd you do? Just sit there and nothing happened or what? what I'm riveted. What, what happened? I, I would just sit there. I would just sit there. I'd say, look, I'm a Christian and I'm not doing that. And, you know, I was, I was up there when Jeff Fort was there with the El Rukins, and he had been indicted because of him meeting with Gaddafi and stuff. And and um, yeah, I, I, they would he would he would sit up there and yell at the top of the tier that I was a snitch and an informant trying to intimidate me. And and um, I, I just wouldn't, you know, I felt the perfect peace of God which passes all understanding, guard my heart and my mind. So this is like radical for you. I mean, this this had to be for you. I mean, in many ways, you're probably like, what in the heck is going on here, you know, um, in, in your mind? Because you lived a life up to, I mean, you said 27, you were at the high. How, how old are you when you first entered prison? 27, 28? Yeah, 27. Yeah. So um, were you kind of blown away as far as the, the, the rapid change as far as what's going on with you in your life? Oh yeah, yeah. It was definitely a, a, a rapid change to be shackled and to be handcuffed and put on the bus and carried away. And I remember when I got down there to the to the MCC, I went to like a Bible study and I couldn't figure out why there were people there from all walks of life that were there to minister to the inmates, and I thought. I thought, man, what is, what is, what are they in this for? What are they, you know, what are they, um, what is their purpose here? And I thought, well, I understand the women are trying to hustle the guys, but I don't know what the guys are doing here. Because my mind was so corrupt and not realizing what it was that there'd be Christian love and, and people reaching out to one another. So I guess... Yeah, I, I guess for, from your standpoint that there's probably nobody ever kind of approaching you or anybody else that isn't got an angle, that they're trying to work some kind of angle. Is that what you're getting at? Right. Yeah. So um, what what happens to you there? So where are you now at this point? I know you were, were you up in Iraq, Oxford or is this out, out, out of the um, Chicago? Where, where, where are you? I was, I, at that point, I was still downtown at the Metropolitan Correctional Center and then they sent me to Oxford, Wisconsin. What happened? Would, yeah, tell me about. I, go ahead. And I was there at Oxford for a while, and 
I was getting people born again and discipling and evangelizing and and um, wait, you were, are? Yes, you're, you're discipling others now. Yes, yeah, I I went right ahead and started getting people born again and saying how, how and why. Well, because I felt like it was a natural outpouring from what God had given me. And so here you are, probably, my guess is, ridiculously, can I say, dumb, stupid, naive, uneducated to the faith, and yet you're kind of, if I can use a vernacular, balls to the wall saying, I don't care, I'm going to do it. Is that right? Right, right. And I was getting people born again, and then the uh, warden got, you know, in the prisons, they don't like it when you're um, influential or you develop a following because then you become... A security risk so they came in one night and busted into my cell and and shipped me out in the middle of the night to another institution so you're a security risk because you're saying hey give up your former life and give your life to Christ right well they don't look at it like that they look at it like you've become influential and you've got a following and and um, you know you're gonna cause a riot or something like that. Yeah, I think that if you're going to have a riot for Christ, that's probably the most peaceful riot you could ever have, and I'd probably want to have that injected everywhere, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you go from Oxford, Wisconsin. What's next? Where's next? Well, then they sent me to um, Yankton, South Dakota, and I got people born again there and saved and evangelized and witnessed and and all of that and and um, a lot of great testimonies there give, 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 me, give me a good one well I remember one time we were they had the what was called the Olympics and we had the Christians on the tug-of-war thing and the Christians were kind of you know not the strongest type of guys and yet, um, when we got right down to the end of the tug-of-war thing, we had beat everybody else, and we were literally at the end where we were going to win. And um, and the everybody there knew it was God pulling for the Christians. Wow. And at the last minute, at the last minute, the Christians gave up, but they could we could have won the whole thing. Why they give up? I think they just gave up because they, you know, they they figured they couldn't do it. But huh. but we 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 gotten all the way to second place, and there was a lot of big guys on the on the other end of that rope. Wow, wow, how cool is that? Um, so you're there, and um, same thing. Um, how long were you there for? I was there for maybe a year. Okay. But then a year, obviously you got an eight-year sentence, and you're one year in here, and obviously there's another change of plans. Talk, talk to me about it. Yeah, and then they sent me to Duluth, Minnesota. Same reasons? Yeah, same reasons. Hmm. And, um, and I got people born again and saved and started Bible studies and, and all of that. I suspect when you're in prison, you, you probably get in the word pretty heavily. I, I guess in, in my mind that there you got nothing but time, and um, unless you're working, I don't know. Do you work in prison anymore? Uh, otherwise, you're just 
I suspect in a cell or do you have a lot of freedom? I, I would suspect that you're probably at a maximum security. Yeah, I was actually in minimum security. Okay. But um, but I had a lot of time on my hands. I, I took Bible study courses and I memorized chapters of the Bible and and all of that because I wanted to I wanted to grow as much as I could in God. You know what's amazing? I, I, I go back to I don't you know remember you saying this last episode, but I remember you saying to God, "This is my college. You educate me." And, and I guess uh, be careful what you uh, ask for, huh? Right. Okay. So Duluth, Minnesota. Tell me what happens up there. Same thing. Yeah, same thing. I, I got people born again and saved and evangelized and, and witnessed and and all of that. And after uh, Duluth, what happens next? Well, I think Duluth was the last place I was at. Okay, so you did not spend eight years in, in, in the pen? I spent, I did five years on eight. Wow. So you got released early. I think that there's, um, you know, I'm an attorney, and I used to work for the state's attorney's office, and I used to work for the public defender's office. Um, now, those are state. They're not federal. But I do know when things get pushed over to the Fed, um, I'm not sure if you were in a time, I don't know when it was, but I, I think that there's a, a minimum sentence or minimum time served. And so was there a certain requirement for a minimum time served for you? And did you, uh, isn't there sentencing minimums that you have to serve? Yeah, I had to serve five years on eight. Okay. Yeah, probably five. I did, I did go to the pro board at one point at two and a half years, but the pro board said, our only regret is we can't make you do more time, but you're definitely going to bring us all of the five years. Huh. Wow. And their regret for doing, say, they're, they're saying that is because they were, um, it was more punitive uh, of a comment than anything, correct? Yep. It wasn't because they were grateful for all of your ministering to all those other violent criminals, correct? There were a couple people on the pro board that was that were grateful for that and acknowledged it, but for the most part, they said, no, you, you're going to have to bring all your time. So when I uh, when we move on to the next part of your, your, your journey here, I want to ask you uh, as a little rabbit trail here, but um, I, I suspect that you, you grew some pretty nice friends um, in, in prison. Yeah, I had a lot of good friends. Yeah, and do you keep in contact with any of them? I do. That's great. That's awesome. Isn't it amazing that uh, a place that's so dark and dangerous, or I don't know how else to say it, but but within within the depths of darkness, you can find people that that your heart permanently connects to. Yeah. So as we think about moving on here, you 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 you. Um, Tell me about the process of being let out. So uh, you're at the end of the thing, and they tell you one day, you're out tomorrow. You're out today. What, 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 how do you find out when your last day is? Well, I found out. I knew what my last day was from day one. And um, I remember when I was released from Duluth, Minnesota, that the uh, inmates lined up on both sides of the road, all waving and shouting and stuff. Most people have what your popularity was determined by the number of chips that you had at your going away party, the number of bags of chips. 
what we would do is we would take the bags of chips and we'd take the government cheese and we'd make up this chip dip recipe. And most people would have like, you know, 10, 15, 20 bags. I had like an 80 bag party. And um, <laughs> as I was released, the inmates were out there, you know, on the road just cheering and shouting and, and that kind of thing. And it was God's way of just congratulating my service. So I, I just, it blows me away. I mean, obviously you have to be a great connector, but I mean, um, how in the heck do you get like uh, 80 guys to just think that you're the cat's meow in the, in the middle of a freaking prison? Well, because because I cared, because I I cared, and and um, you know, I mean, I, there was there was some of them that were really quite violent that I had ministered to, and they turned their lives around. And I remember one night I was one day I was at the uh, Unicor Prison Factory, and this guy named Benny he was walking by and I said, see that guy, he's the most unrepentant, ugly guy. I mean, that guy would never, I wouldn't even share Christ with him. And then the next day, God had him transferred over to working at my table. And um, within a day or so, he was born again and radically transformed. And, you know, wow. that's, the, that's the kind of thing that um, I saw on a regular basis. You know what I find is interesting about you in your story, and this is probably a personality DNA that was instilled with you. I don't know if you ever thought of this, but um, got put, I'm just saying from an outsider looking in, we're not great friends. I, I think you and I know and like each other, and I think we trust each other for, for the superficial value of, the, of our relationship, but you have a spirit of fearlessness. So... In other words, you had no fear going in and, and building a, a drug empire. And then when you decided to jump over a fence and, and switch teams, you had no fearless of building a team over there. You're fearless. Right, right. What, what are you afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything. Huh. Nothing? Your wife? No. <laughs> Maybe a little bit with my wife. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. She's Okay, so at, at, at the end of the day, you have um, your final day. And so you have this walking out. You walk out of this prison. Who's there to greet you? Nobody. I, I got on a bus and took the bus to um, Chicago. And I remember stopping at a restaurant. And, and, you know, you had to go in and get food. And after five years of been, being in, you're, you're, it's like frightening. It's like you think everybody's looking at you. And I ordered a burger and I took the first bite of that burger and I knew that there was a God and that there was real hamburger. <laughs> it was like, they, you know, I hadn't had real meat in a while. So God shows himself to you through a hamburger. That's funny. Yeah, and then I got downtown Chicago and, um, and um, got a job and... and just started making it. If I think I did, about, go ahead. I did believe I did believe that that no matter what happened, I'd go straight to the top. That I'd live in houses I didn't build, and I'd eat from drink from wells I didn't dig, and 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 all of that, and that God would supernaturally restore me, and He did. 
This, this, is, this is amazing. I mean, just uh, to have that, I, I got to believe that you probably wouldn't have had that belief ever had you not been given all that time to pour yourself into the Word and probably develop your relationship with God. Is that right? That's right. Um, okay, so tell me this. Uh, tell, tell me your first job. What was your first job? My first job was was really in Christianity Today, working with Joe Barlow, and um, as a telemarketer, mm-hmm. and and um, everybody else was selling like one an hour, and I was selling four an hour, mm-hmm. and because um, God was supernaturally restoring me. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing. So t- tell tell me about. Um, How'd you get to where you are today? What's what's the what's the fast track of, of that? Fast track of that was just believing God and and giving to God and and being a part of a church and and being a man of character and honor and integrity. And and, and tell me where you're at today. So you're down in Salem and you're doing stuff down there. And yeah. um, what what what's your function there? My function is as an account executive, and I sell the advertising, and, and I do quite well. That's awesome. So you got a woman who said to herself, hey, I, I don't really care about anything of his past. I don't see his past. I see someone pretty awesome, and I'm going to see if he'll hitch my train, um, if we can, we can join trains. But um, how did you guys meet? We met at church. And um, yeah, it was it was supernatural because she was she was a teacher and a college graduate and and all of that and she you know normally you wouldn't go for somebody fresh out of prison that didn't have a high school diploma. Or I spoke I spoke and double negatives and I mean <laughs> I was a real mess mm-hmm. and she had to fix me up. So, as we wrap things up today, um, if you were to go ahead, first of all, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am for this, but a message, I mean, there's, there's people that haven't, in many ways, I think you were given kind of a gift because you were uh, forced into, first of all, I think the biggest gift that you were given is to realize that you were given a gift. Um, in other words, being set away and having all this time to go ahead and study and and get close with God, that's that, that's a gift in and of itself. I can't tell you how many people would probably crumble, die, or, as you say, you know, get into the fights and, and live in fear. And it, you just carry your, 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 your um, the, the prior life into the prison, nothing changes. So I think that that's an amazing uh, life lesson to realize you've been given a gift, but you, you didn't waste it. So if, if I'm a listener hearing you today, I mean, what, what, what's... This is your your time, Tom. Tom, this is your block. What, what what do you want to tell people? What what what's your encouragement? What are you living for? I would tell people that God is good and that he he always makes a way and that he can always get us through whatever it is we're going through, and um, and he does it in a in a very rich, abundant way. How do they get to where you are? In other words, I I think that that's. Some people are like, yeah, well, that's Larry's story. That's not my story. You know, my, you know, God doesn't understand what I'm going through. And, you know, Larry, you know, he was forced on that. I'm, I'm here. I got a wife and kids. Or I got, you know, a brother with cancer. Or I got this and that. I mean, what do you say to those people? 
I would say that um, God is always good and that and that whatever it is you're going through, God's going to make a way through it. Yeah, I think so too. And I can tell you probably on the other side of the fence where you started, you probably never even contemplated that there was another side of the fence for you to hop over. Right, I didn't know there was I didn't know there was this other side. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking very clearly that, you know, when I was in that car, I was like, God, if you're really real, if you really exist, you know, that's the biggest issue right there is does he exist? Is he real? Does he care? Is he willing to help us? Is he willing to, is he, is he um, going to go to bat for us? So Larry, I, 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 um, want to um, ask you, you have, um, I, I, we're going to run over a little bit here, but I'm okay with that if you are. Um, you have, um, are, are you okay to run over for a couple minutes here? Yeah. So let me ask you this. Um, you, you've, you have your own ministry, don't you? Yes. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's called Hope for Convicts and Opioid Addicts, and I do a radio program and a podcast where I minister to people that um, have no hope. Hope for hope. convicts and opioid addicts. And what's the name of the podcast? Is that it? That is that's the name of it, and that's the website. Okay. And um, what if you're just somebody that just wants a better life? Are they going to find value from it, even if they're not um, a convict or an opioid addict? Yes. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I, I can't thank you enough. I, I, I guess, um, it, you know, as we wrap things up here, any, any kind of parting words that you want to share with anybody um, before we wrap stuff up? Just that God is good and that he is, he's able to transform anybody into um, a, useful, a useful, productive element of society. Yeah, that's wonderful. Wonderful. I, I find your um, story ridiculously riveting ridiculously um disney and what i mean by disney in the sense that there's always a happy ending and for me to hear from where you started to the fact that you ended up with a a woman who you love and you have five children and you're ridiculously successful in, in what you're doing and most importantly i think that you are changing the lives of others because you have street cred you were there and you know what it's like. So um, thank you, Larry. I'm grateful. This was really, really encouraging for me. And I hope that other people, I'd like to have you back at some other point if you'd be, be willing to do so. I think that you are brave because you're coming on here and you have no fear because I don't have any episodes. This is episode two. And yeah. uh, we're going to take this thing out a lot further and we're going to get this out there. Um, but um, you are probably just what the doctor ordered. And that probably being of God to get us out there and get your message out there. So thank you. Thank you, Larry. And thank you for your book, No Rewind. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. I appreciate that. Well, I hope that you and I get to see each other in the future um, more often. And I think that with 2020 being behind us, I suspect we will. But uh, I know you and I are going to be connected because I know you're going to help me with this uh, uh, production of the broadcast. I'm just personally grateful of the friendship, and I think that a lot of the things that we talked about last year, the breaks are off, and you've been very patient with me. I'm grateful for it, but I want to wish you a well day. To everybody else, I want to say this. This is No Rewind. Please 
like this, share this, share this on Facebook, give this to your friends. Um, this is a sample of what we're going to have coming in, in, in the future. We're going to have great people like Larry um, that have decided to go ahead and, and take whatever cards have been dealt them and make something of it. And sometimes it's forced on us, just like Larry. But without further ado, thanks again for every for coming and tuning in today, and we will look forward to the next episode. Have a great day. Thinking about buying a new home or refinancing your existing one? With interest rates this low, what are you waiting for? Today's historically low rates means now is a great time to take the next step. Talk to Larry Betag from Cherry Creek Mortgage. Larry is a great resource to answer all your home financing questions. Call Larry at 630-524-9677 or visit www.cherrycreekmortgage.com forward slash Larry Betag. Larry Betag, NMLS number 158606. Cherry Creek Mortgage Company, Inc., NMLS number 3001. An equal housing opportunity lender. Not everyone will qualify for products offered. Thank you for joining Larry Betag at No Rewind. Be sure to repost this podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to contact Larry directly, you can email him at betag at comcast.net. Or you can call him at 630-417-7172. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of No Rewind. No Rewind.